Hello, everybody. To the good folks and the bad, to the AHs and the POSs, this is episode 84 of the Football Misfits podcast. I go by the name of Ronnie. And the Football Misfits is an operation that is never complete without our guy at the data desk. You guys know the man as Spencer. I know him as a Real Madrid stan. Spencer, say hello to the good people. What's going on, everybody? Peace and love. Peace and love. Peep how there was no denial of that. (laughs) It's too early. It's too early. And we're bringing back one of our favorite guests of the pod. He was with us before the end of 2021. And the way Serie A is heating up, we got to bring him back and we got to talk about the race for the Scudetto. It is our good friend from Calcio with Julian, Sir Julian. Say what's up, Julian, to the good people out there. What's up, everyone? Thank you guys for having me. Looking forward to it. Hey, man, we enjoyed having you last time, and we thank you for pulling up with us this time around. Um, Real quick, you can catch his writings over on CalcioWithJulian.com, as well as the Cult of Calcio home of Italian football articles and stories and all that. So definitely check out Julian. And if you're a long-time listener of the pod, let's just get the elephant out of the room real quick. Um, LV is not with us today because he saw that he took the lead in the weekend predictions and decided to skedaddle on us as if the season ended in March. Just kidding. He's actually on what you guys call holiday or as we call vacation, and much deserved. He'll be back with us. But until then, let's get back to, you know, how we usually do with favorite matches of the week and week and Julian. Uh, it's definitely going to be the uh, Milan versus Napoli game. Uh, mm-hmm. One very important uh, game within the uh, within the Serie A, and it did not disappoint in terms of uh, excitement. That is a fact. It did look like Napoli had themselves a decent game, but not enough to, at the very least, equalize. And, of course, it was that man again, Olivier Giroud, scoring the game winner for Milan. He's been picking up his weight since the start of the new year. So, Very exciting game. Both teams are going back and forth. Uh, I think Napoli definitely deserved to win this one. I think they were more dangerous, especially in the first half. But Milan, fair Fair play to them. In the beginning of the second half, they picked it up, and uh, Pioli made the right switches in order to uh, ensure that Milan would uh, solidify their lead and bounce into first place of the of the table. So, in all, all in all, fair play to them. They they got the away victory, and now they're they're in first in this uh, exciting uh, title race. Yo, I, I, this title race in Italy is very interesting. I said this last week. I think this is the most intriguing title race in Europe. I'm sure you would agree with that. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. This is definitely the best uh, title race with the top five leagues in the, in the world, without a doubt. Yeah, especially because Inter also, they bounced back from a couple of fuck-ups, not scoring in the last four games in all competitions, finally getting five goals off against Salernitana. We spoke about this before we started recording. Inter have been on a bit of a slide, and the point person was Lautaro, like, you're not doing shit. 
you're the you're our star striker. You got to be doing stuff. He scored a hat trick. Yeah, it was brilliant, without a doubt. Uh, pretty much silenced his critics at the San Siro against the Southern Italia. Scored some very impressive goals where he showed his uh, quality and composure in front of goal. Absolutely. Uh, fair play to him to silence the, the critics and make, a, make such a, a big statement uh, in, a, in a really significant game. Very significant. It brought them back to second place. And Eden Dzeko also got himself a brace in the 5 and nothing ass whooping. Napoli dropped to third. And also what we were talking about before we started recording, Juventus are making their, their climb back up the table. They beat Spezia today. Again, it was just one thing, but they still got the dub. LV asked this of me last week. I'm going to ask this of you this week. How realistic is it for Juventus to win the league? Yeah, no, that's it's it's pretty crazy to be talking about Juventus possibly winning the league, especially the way they started off the season. But now all of a sudden they're only seven points away from the league leaders, AC Milan. So they're they're well in it. It's just gonna be a little bit hard, I think, because there's three teams that have to try to close ground on. So it's gonna be a little bit difficult on that part. But if they could keep uh, this momentum. Because right now, as we're speaking, they're they won, they're undefeated in 14 consecutive games within the Serie A, 18 in all competitions. So they seem to be finding their form, and if they could just maintain this consistency while the other team drop points. I mean, who knows? They might possibly win the league. So I don't think it's entirely crazy. I I don't think it's gonna happen personally. I think it's gonna be Napoli. I think they're the team with the best quality right now. But I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Juventus edged closer and closer to possibly winning a title, 100%. I am literally right there with you. I said the same thing last week. The hope is for Napoli to win it. But the one thing that will help Juve is their upcoming fixtures. Because when you look at their fixtures on paper, they still have Inter to play. Other than that, every game looks to be winnable. We're talking about the likes of Salernitana, Bologna, um, Venezia. They also end the season with a couple of difficult games against Lazio and Fiorentina. And they also have Sassuolo thrown there in the mix, which those games should not be taken for granted. But the calendar does allow for Juventus to probably win most of those, at least get a point for most of those. And we'll see what the other teams do around them. I would love for Juve to win another Scudetto. I don't think it will happen, though, as much as I want them to. And it was around this time last season where Milan, they were in a good position to, I think, win it, and then they just fumbled the entire bag. I feel like that might happen again this time around. For sure. I mean, with definitely with Pioli, it's uh, within almost all his years, he always had a great start to the season and then he fumbled it with AC Milan. So it's going to be tough. Uh, we'll see if he could maintain it, the, maintain his course this time and uh, winning the Scudetto, for sure. Yeah, like, it's hardwired in my mind now that that is how Milan's going to fuck it up. But yeah, we'll see how things go. But this city I race is by far amazing. I think it might be over for Atalanta and Roma for a Champions League spot. Possibly, yeah. I could see that, yeah. They're still in there. They're still six points off. And right. Atalanta do have a game in hand. Roma doesn't. It, they're not that far off. But I don't know. I feel like the way Juventus has had so much momentum since the start of the year, since they signed Zakaria and 
Vlachovic. It just seems like Juventus are on a different level right now. Unless anyone else fumbles while an Atalanta, you know, picks things up. Maybe yeah. even Roma. Roma's had a good couple of games lately. They beat Atalanta. Yeah. I feel like it's going to take for somebody in the top four to mess up for one of those two to come up. But other than that, I think those two are going to the Europa League. Yeah, no, no, I'd have to, uh, I'd have to agree. Uh, it's gonna be tough, especially for Atalanta. They have a little bit of an injury crisis. Uh, Luis Muriela slowly getting back. They don't have uh, Duvan Zapata. He seems to be out long term. There, so they were missing those pieces against uh, Roma in a very important fixture. So it's gonna be difficult for them to uh, to possibly clinch a Champions League spot. So we'll see how uh, it all unfolds. One thing for sure is that this season is gonna go down to the wire. It's gonna be one of those. Uh, title winning years where it's really going to go until the the final week of the of the campaign so it's going to be very thrilling and exhilarating to witness for sure absolutely and again this is what makes city us so spectacular to watch this season so many teams are in contention for top four there's three teams soon to be four for the title i'm just happy to see it um, again, Napoli, I think, are going to win it. If Juve can climb in there, I'm not mad at it. Um, and I'm going to ignore what Spencer said before we started potting about Dybala to Inter. So let's just keep it pushing, I guess. Early days. We'll never know unless it happens. Early days. <laughs> and that was Spencer's commentary on that matter. But um, I, did men- I did mention games of the week. And I guess these would be my games of the week. I did see them yesterday. Bayern Leverkusen were away to Bayern. Niklas Sula got the game started early with a goal, and then Thomas Muller rarely fucks things up. Scored an outstanding own goal to end the match 1-1. And not only that, I also saw the Leipzig game. They played um, Freiburg. Freiburg got the goal to start things out in the first half. And then in added time, or it might have just been the 90th. Mr. 305, as we call him, Angelino, scored the equalizer. I joined after it was already one one nothing for Freiburg. And Leipzig looked like they were pressuring Freiburg's defense. And they managed to crack through. These Bundesliga games are pretty interesting to me. Does it change how the table is going to end up? Probably not. Will Bayern still win the league? They're ahead of Dortmund by nine points. So, yeah. But it was still interesting to watch. And I guess you could look at, like, the top four race in Germany. Also pretty interesting. Hoffenheim's in fourth. Leipzig and Freiburg are tied on 41. So, I guess that was interesting. And I guess that's it for the Bundesliga. Alrighty. So, Premier League. Manchester Derby was today, Sunday. And... Simply put, Manchester City were, well, Manchester United, rather, were just terrible. I think to the point where Gary Neville said they were just as terrible. I think the quote he said exactly was, they were an absolute disgrace in those last 25 minutes. Do you guys agree? Were you expect, what were you expecting from Man United today? Right. Honestly, nothing. To keep it a buck, nothing. Um, so that you agree with the quote. In fairness, I didn't see the match. Gotcha. 
But what I wasn't expecting was Ronaldo and Cavani being dropped. Caught me off guard. To be fair, they're, well, I don't know why they dropped them out, but possibly they could have been injured. That probably is the most logical reason. I don't think you just leave out two strikers in a big game where you won't get a lot of chances and then one chance you get some goal-scoring strikers would take pretty well. So they're probably... I read something that Ronaldo was out injured. I didn't see anything about Cavani. Yeah, Manchester United were pissed. Jaden Sancho scored, but what what does that really do compared to four goals for City? Braces from Kevin De Bruyne and Rihad Mahrez. Did you see the game, Julian? Yeah, I saw the game. In all credit, uh, Manchester United had a decent first half. I have to admit that it was pretty decent. But the two goals were just ter- the first two goals for Manchester City were just terrible defending. But then it all went downhill in the second half. So bad to the point where like those last fifteen minutes, twenty minutes that uh, Gary Neville was making reference to, Manchester City had ninety-two per- uh, percent possession of the ball, and Man U only had eight. So that just shows that pretty much the- all. The, the character and the desire to win that we hope to see Manchester implement within a derby against their cross-city rivals. It pretty much all dropped, and it just shows that they don't really care. They just want this season to to end. They just want this nightmare to stop and for the next season to resume, to, uh, to begin. That has been Manchester United's theme all season. To be a fly on the wall at Manchester United this season would be Blockbuster TV. I know Arsenal has that Amazon doc coming out. Imagine one for Manchester United because they went through a shit ton this season. Lost Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. They never had an identity, an identity, so I can't say they lost their identity. And then every week there's like reports coming out of Manchester United about, I don't like Ralph Ragnick. He makes us work too much. Our assistant coach is Ted Lasso. Ronaldo wants to be the captain, not Harry Maguire. And then other off-the-field bullshit that we don't have to get to. It's Manchester United has been Hollywood as hell. So much drama. And it's affecting how they play in, on the pitch, I think. And it goes back to what we were talking about. Who wants top four? Right now it's Arsenal. I don't know what to say about this top four. Like It always swaps. Who do you think finishes top four, Julian? No, I think it'd have to be Arsenal, Chelsea, uh, Liverpool, and Man City. The top four. Arsenal are they're three. They have three games at hand, and they're one point ahead of uh, Manchester United. They see it's it all seems to be clicking for uh, Bukayo Saka, uh, Gabriel Martinelli, and uh, Martin Odegaard. Those three youngsters seem to be uh, uh, gelling very well and within the squad, and they all seem to uh, be on the same wavelength when it comes to uh, creating the plays in the final third. So uh, I think I'm going to go with uh, Arsenal finishing above uh, Manchester United and uh, and Spurs. Hey, man. They won their last four Premier League matches. And so Arsenal are definitely doing what they have to do to come out on top. They won 3-2 today. And, again, those guys that you mentioned, Odegaard, Saka, and Martinelli all had a role in it. Their next game was against Leicester City, and then they played Liverpool and Aston Villa before the international break. So, very much Arsenal can definitely make the top four. They're in it right now. West Ham, I feel like they're beginning to slide off a bit. They lost to Liverpool yesterday. 
But before that, they just dropped points plenty. Not going to help you out when it comes to trying to win the Premier League. I mean, not trying to at least make top four in the Premier League. And then you have Tottenham Hotspur. Their game against Everton is tomorrow, so we don't really know what might happen there. Everton are near the relegation line. They're barely alive. They'll beat Manchester City, and they'll get asswood by Burnley. And then they'll beat Leeds United, and then they'll lose to Middlesbrough in the FA Cup. It's a very inconsistent Tottenham side. As much as I think they would have, especially at the start of January, I, they're just inconsistent at this moment in time. As an outsider, that probably makes them like a really exciting football team to watch because you never know what you're going to get. But I'm sure LB, he just cries, cries many times about their inconsistencies. That's why he's on holiday. Yeah, I'd be on holiday too. <laughs> Where I sit, it would be Arsenal. Where I sit two weeks from now, it might be Manchester United. Where I sit three weeks from now, it might be Spurs. So when it comes to top four, you literally don't even know. And Wolves are even in the race still. So you literally don't know. But before we leave this one, I'm going to say Spurs going top four. I'm going to change it up. Let's say Spurs get in. Maybe Conte can figure it out with the parts and pieces he has. And they start winning some impressive games. I'm also hopeful that they'll make the four spot. We'll see, though. Bottom of the table now. We spoke about this briefly last week, but Burnley are making a climb out of the relegation zone. They're on 21 points. They're in the last relegation spot in 18th place. Everton sit a point above them. Everton look like they could win the FA Cup and get relegated at the same time. But right now it's Burnley, Watford, and Norwich. Are we committed to those three going down? Yeah, I agree with you on that one, Ronnie. Yeah, I think it would be those three. Because as good as Burnley have been playing and Wood first saving them practically, or at least trying to, Everton are just a much better side. I feel like they should be able to keep themselves alive, but Everton have just been absolute piss. Like, I don't know, man. I think I think it'll be those three going down. Everton are not making a case for themselves, though. I can't. I can't see Everton getting relegated. It just, I don't know. It'd be real sad for Evertonians if they get relegated. I can't see it. I think they'll somehow stay up. And then I also don't see Sean Dyche going down. (laughs) I see somehow Burnley staying up. So something's got to give. Because there's still, like, teams with some games in hand. And they'll probably all play each other sooner than later. Or most of them will start playing each other. I don't know. It could be really busy. Maybe in a couple weeks this, this whole bottom of the table could look very different. And Everton has, I think, like, two games in hand. At 22. So, um, we'll see. They have four. They've got four games in hand. They do have four games in hand. That's a lot of games in hand. That makes it a little nervy now. Because with so many games in hand, they're only fun if you win them all. There's also Leeds United, who are a relegation contender. 
they began the Jesse Marsh regime with a one nothing loss. At least it wasn't a six nothing loss this time around, but it was still a loss nevertheless. I'm still confident Jesse Marsh will be able to do something special there. It might take the relegation to happen, but I don't know. Maybe Leeds gets relegated as well, if not Burnley, but I think it might just be them three, to be honest with you. So the relegation scrap is as interesting as that fourth spot scrap because City, Liverpool, and Chelsea, top three right off the bat. And um, a quick word for Liverpool, Spence. They keep on winning. That's that's pretty much all they can do. They just have to focus on themselves and just keep on winning till the day they have to hopefully play United. I mean, United plays City with the points on the line, and then let's hope for a win. But there's nothing they can do. They just have to keep winning. They just have to focus on themselves and keep it going and keep the hunt for the quadruple alive. Do they get the really quadruple? Well, so that's good. That seems like a very bold statement to make now we'll see there's still early early time like early early moments in all the competitions they're in so we'll see it seems very early to say that they're going to get the quadruple when they're not in the finals yet so we'll see well they have one the carabao cup um the premier league they're not far off the um the fa cup they're in the quarterfinal and the Champions League, they're in the round of 16. And speaking of Champions League, let's get into that. Because the quarterfinal, rather the round of 16, resumes on Tuesday. And coincidentally enough, your guys' sides, the, guy, the teams you guys rock with, are going up against each other at Anfield. Second leg between Inter and Liverpool. Um, you were telling me, Julian, that you're not confident about this at all. No, I don't think Inter is going to be able to turn this one around unless uh, Liverpool get an early red card or something. I just don't see Inter being able to break down uh, Liverpool's defense at Anfield. Uh, they had the chance to uh, score against them at the San Siro and they weren't able to especially when uh, Liverpool weren't playing that well at the beginning of the second half. But then Liverpool just could just definitely, uh, they could immediately flick the switch uh, within a blink of an eye. They have all the all the squad depth on their bench necessary to do that. So I think it's going to be very difficult for Inter to turn around that 2-0 deficit away from home. I think uh, it might be a close game, maybe a tie game, but I don't think... Uh, Inter will do enough to uh, qualify for the quarterfinals, unfortunately. Spence, you think Liverpool are going to get that early red card? Early red card, I hope not, because then if we do make it through, then someone important suspended for the next match. So ideally, no. But I think, I mean, after they finish with the away rules, but coming to Anfield to play on like a European night, they always talk about like how it's storied and it's tough. So I think it's going to be a tough a tough fight for Inter to come back from two goals down. Uh, but Champions League has seen wilder stories. Ideally, I hope Liverpool continue on and uh, go for another Champions League title. But anything can happen. And I also think uh, 
Mo Salah didn't play too well at West Ham and got subbed off. So I think he might come into the Inter game with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. So he might be incoming to a, a Mo Salah multi-goal game. So it could be it could be one of those nights at Anfield. So you're saying it has Mo Salah taking his shirt off vibes to it? A Mo Salah hat trick would be nice. So that's on Tuesday. Also, Tuesday is Bayern Munich and Salzburg. It's currently 1-1. Bayern Munich low-key fumbled it in Austria. Bayern are going to move on to the next round, right, you guys? Well, I hope so, but uh, they seem to be struggling in form within the Buden, the, uh, the Bundesliga. So we're not, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I mean, based on, on paper, you would assume that they'd be able to qualify, but... I don't know. It might be a little too early to tell. So we're saying Salzburg. Okay, I like this. Um, Bayern have been slipping a bit, yes. But like you said, on paper, they should be able to beat Salzburg. But Salzburg gave them a goal in the first leg. So maybe the second leg, they'll give Bayern a bit more fight as well. But I guess it, it just waits. It's just, you know wait to be seen and then the other two matches this week on wednesday um the other big one psg and real madrid real madrid or psg julian well it's gonna be a close one for sure just like it was in the the first leg it went uh all the way to the final minutes uh to this to score the decider but i think real madrid are going to uh are going to win this one i think with all with experience they have and the balance and stability within their squad, I think they'll be able to turn it around. Especially right now, uh, PSG has suffered a last minute loss to uh, to Nice, where Real Madrid are they pretty much uh, destroyed their uh, their La Liga opponents within the league a four one victory. So they seem to be on a run of uh, of a high momentum right now. So I don't think the the hype train is going to end just yet. But I think Real Madrid could turn it around. It definitely helps that, at least now for the second leg, Karim Benzema is much more healthier than he was in the first leg. And I think Real Madrid are just going to – they're going to get their goals off. They're going to get this W. And I'm sure Spencer agrees with that. Just going off form, Real Madrid seems to be in better form. But, again, it was it was that guy Mbappe last time who changed everything. And PSG's still up a goal, so it's to Remagen to just win outright in um, in regular time. They have to score two, so we'll see. I think they could definitely score two at home, probably score three, four. But we'll see how PSG comes out, and we'll see how Madrid answers to that. And hopefully, Madrid come out and get a win. But they're still down in this tie. They they have to make up ground early on, and then go for the win. It changes everything if PSG gets an early goal. Um, I want to refer you, Julian, to a group text I got yesterday at about 4.42 p.m. That read, end quote, PSG getting knocked out this week, LOL. That came from Spencer. Spencer's being a little bit more humble now. <laughs> I think I, that's the energy I'm coming with in this match with. Yes, PSG are up a goal. P 
PSG have been more, I don't want to say inconsistent, rather, they don't feel complete. Real Madrid are the more complete side. And I said this last time you were on. Things were different in December than they would be in February, March. But I'm looking at the second leg going into it. Not by much. Real Madrid are still the better side against PSG. Um, They do have Mbappe. And yes, he is an important piece to their puzzle. Um, Messi still has his slumps, but he's getting it. In, in any which way he can, specifically when it comes to assists. But Real Madrid, you have Karim Benzema. Again, he's much more fit. Vini Jr., who is a spark of joy to watch. And then you also have the old heads like Luka Modric out here and Carvajal in defense. Real Madrid should be able to get a couple goals off and win this one hand on without a problem. And we'll see how they do on Tuesday and rather on Wednesday. And then Manchester City are through to the next round, right? No sporting comeback, right? Yeah, no, there's no way. <laughs> it's almost impossible. Would we love to see it? Absolutely. We've seen crazier things. I don't think it'll happen, though. No, I think they're at the Etihad, if I'm not mistaken, the, the next the next fixture. Yes, indeed. So I think that's it's gonna make it. Uh, it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be way too. It would be way too difficult for Sporting to score five in such a hostile environment. Yeah, it, five goals, not happening. If it does, Mark, call me stupid. But that should be a walkover. And then you also have the Europa League starting back up this week with the round of 16. Real quick, because you are Calcio, let's talk about the only team in the Europa League right now, Atalanta. They have RB Leipzig coming up, and that is not an easy match at all. No, absolutely not. I think that's probably one of the best. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's probably arguably the best uh, playoff fixture within the uh, with the Europa League, so it's going to be very exciting. Uh, two very experienced teams uh, facing off. It's going to be very interesting. I hope Atalanta pulls through. It'd be nice to see at least one Serie A team uh, make a European final this season, but it's definitely, uh, Big is definitely one side you do not uh, want to underestimate. Yes, I agree with you. Atalanta Leverkusen is one of the best round of 16 matchups that we have going on. They've actually never played each other in Europe. So these two teams are definitely going to get a feel for each other on the spot in Bergamo and then again in Leverkusen. The other matchup that looks to be stand out, I guess, at least on paper, West Ham and Sevilla. Sevilla are at home before they play at the London Stadium. I think the way these two teams have been heading... Sevilla are the better side, even though they drop points whenever they can, it seems. They should still be able to go on to the next round, to the quarterfinal. And I think they will. I would have to say Sevilla as well. They, this is their tournament. This is their home ground. 
they're going to do everything they can to make that final at the Ramon Sanchez Bijuan. Um, Barcelona Galatasaray, are we expecting anything from the Turkish team? I don't think so. I think uh, Barcelona's team is too strong for, for Galatasaray to, to handle, especially now uh, with Xavi's uh, new sightings, uh, Ferran Torres, Aubameyang, and uh, Adama Traore. He seems to be uh, picking uh, picking up the, the broken pieces of the puzzle and seems to be uh, creating something special. And so they were, From when Xavi took over, they weren't even, uh, they weren't even within the Champions League, and now they're within uh, the top three of the league. So it just shows um, how good of a job he's doing. And uh, just several months after uh, joining the squad, it seems like such a promising project. And we can expect big things with the, within the next couple of seasons to come. I I agree with you. And in the short term, yeah, I don't think Galatasaray can get past Barcelona. Other matchups include Braga versus Monaco. Rangers of Glasgow versus the Red Star. Rabatiz, like I mentioned, they play Eintracht Frankfurt. You also have Porto and Leon. The one matchup that's not going to happen is Leipzig versus Spartak Moscow. And I guess we can quickly jump into a quick update of what happened with Russia since they invaded Ukraine. A bit of an update from last week's episode. It is official. Russia are banned by FIFA and the UEFA from international competition. That also means Spartak Moscow cannot play in the Europa League, the only Russian team left in Europe. Russia is not going to be in the World Cup qualifiers. The Russian women are not the European qualifiers. Rather, they're not at Euro 2022. And I saw that Belarus is also in some hot water as well. They're not going to play at home. Basically, Russia initially got they got a ban saying, oh, you can't play in your country and wherever you play is with no fans. That's what Belarus is getting. Um, what do we make of the sanctions itself? Justified, not justified, impartial, what do we think? It's unfortunate that I have to come down to this, I think. Uh, especially, uh, you know, European football is huge. And I can just imagine the, the Russians take pride in their their sport. And yeah, nobody, even as a, even though I'm not Russian, I could just imagine what they're feeling. And it's sad that within the football world, nobody wants to see that. But unfortunately, this is the, these are the current circumstances that we're living in. And hopefully, uh, this uh this disastrous event comes to an end soon so everything could uh, resume back to normal yeah i think it just comes down to the matter of you have to hit russia where it hurts and this is where it hurts i guess nobody wants to see their teams be disqualified from any competition and it's, of course, it's not the footballer's fault. I said this last week. Robert Lewandowski put some perfect nuance to it. Yes, it's not their fault, but they have to take responsibility, Russia, some way, somehow. And this is the best way to do it. Um, It's unfortunate, yes. I'm not mad, though. I guess that was the biggest headline about the Russian invasion, that Russia is no longer part of it, even though they did say they're going to appeal it. 
I don't know what's gonna happen if they do or how that's gonna go about. Um, also saw that they took Russia and like the Russian clubs away from the FIFA games. They're literally hitting Russia at every single angle possible. And there were also a couple of Ukrainian footballers that died in the war effort. Rest in peace to those footballers. Um, um, did you guys have anything else that you saw over the over the weekend football that you thought was a bit interesting? Maybe you want to talk about or bring up anything? I think we covered pretty much uh, the the most uh, the most significant games this weekend. We did. I guess if it's okay with you guys, we can go to that time though. And if y'all don't know what time that is, it's BS of the week time. Nobody's doing like what some journalists do when they write bullshit. Wow, you, you are afraid to say it, but it's all bullshit stories. What is it? Most of the times it's, uh, it's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll kick this off. I have a couple. One of them is a bit more serious than the other. And it's what I saw happen in Mexico yesterday, you guys. Um, those crazy scenes where the fans are just running on the field and just fucking all the other fans up, specifically Querétaro in the Mexican League. Their supporters were fighting with the away supporters of Atlas. They were just opening security gates and rushing through the to find Atlas people. Anyone in red was getting beat up by anyone in blue. And like there's this one video of two people arguing, giving each other a finger between a fence, and one of the blue guys comes into the um Atlas area, just hits them over the head with a chair. You see dudes getting hit with stanchions and corner flags. You have people bloodied and everything. That was just disgusting. Uh, I do not know what the official death toll is. Some say it was as little as 12 or as many as 30. But I did see 22 were injured. I've never seen anything that crazy. As you'll see, like, fans, you know, get into some fights with one another. But... Nothing to the point of that. Everyone I'm seeing because I'm watching the coverage is saying it's a dark day for Mexico. So much so that Mexico is supposed to host the World Cup with the U.S. and Canada in 2026. That might not even happen anymore. Mexico might just have to pull out because of that. And yeah, Mexico has been in a lot of hot water lately. So who knows where that will lead. Um, According to Marca... And the data desk, 17 deaths. But again, one says 17, one says 30. I saw one that said 22. So there's not really a, a confirmed number by the Mexican government. So regardless of how many deaths there were, 
straight up BS on that. And especially because, like most places around the world, they're trying to spread a message of peace, especially after Russia invaded Ukraine. Mexico called this weekend's match fixtures, Grita por la paz. Let's scream and yell out for peace. And there was anything but that in the Querétaro Atlas game. Not the best stuff out there, man. Um, I do have another bit of BS of the Week, but before I do, um, did you have anything that you thought was BS of the Week worthy, Julian? Not that I know of. Uh, not that I can think of the top of my head. Uh, there was just one thing I noticed uh, today. It was a league earn game. I forgot the the teams. It was I believe it was Bordeaux when the, they had a penalty shot, or was it the other team that they were playing against? And it was one of the worst penalty shots I've ever seen. Like there was a really light shot, and the keeper saved it, but then he pushed it into his own net. It's, it's definitely one of those penalty shots that you're gonna see in like failures of the month. It was just so bad and. You could just question yourself, like, how the hell did he let that go in? So it was a flop for the keeper there. But, yeah, that was my BS of the week. And the coach, I think, is going to have a talk with him. And he probably smashed a couple of clipboards in the dressing room at halftime, for sure. Yeah, I'm looking at the penalty right now. This goalie, oh, it looked like an amazing save. And then it just, like, oh, oh, man, you fucked up. Yeah, man. I could see why that's BS. Oh, man. Yeah, Bordeaux versus uh, Troyes. is yeah, the And it sucks because Bordeaux has a Honduran, Albethelis. I was really supporting them, but they're, they're probably going to get relegated. All right, so I'm going to stay in France for this one. And apparently um, David Beckham's son, Romeo Beckham, was in Paris. And Lionel Messi had the worst fit. He had like this red sweatsuit with like leather printing and stuff like that. It just didn't look like I don't know what he was wearing. Nah, Spencer's not Spencer thinks it looks dope. I, I don't know. I, I don't like it. But if you like that, what about the um the Balmain shoes that Ashraf Hakimi wore at Paris Fashion Week? Let me know what you guys think. I don't I think these look like Baby belugas on feet. Yeah, they're pretty weird to be. <laughs> I'm not one to, you know, criticize on fashion, but I know that does not look comfortable. They're <laughs> comfy slippers. You think that looks comfy? I don't. Nah, it looks too wide in the shape. I'd rather wear Yeezy slides than that. But, again, don't come to me for fashion advice. I'm, I say that's BS. Someone might think that's amazing. I don't know. That's That's my cup of tea. Um, and that's episode 84 of the Football Misfits, guys. We made it. Yep, drop a little air horn for us because we made it. Again, before we go, Julian was on the pod with us. Julian, um, any last words? And tell people where to find you. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you guys for having me back on. It feels it feels great to to be back. Always love being with the the Footy Misfits. Greatly appreciated, and uh, yeah. So, if you guys, uh, if you listeners out there want to keep yourselves informed of what's going on within the Serie A, especially right now, this exhilarating title race, make sure to uh, check out the 
my personal website, culturewithjulian.com, and along uh, and as uh, along with the uh, cultofculture.com, which is uh, one of the primary homes of uh, Syria football. Absolutely, go check out Julian's written content, especially during this heated Serie A title chase. One of the best coming down to the wire. I simply want to say before I I head out, um, I don't know if LV is listening, but if he is, enjoy top spot for now because I don't know about Spencer, but I'm making a comeback. I want that Misfits Cup. I'm on that ass for that Misfits Cup. So thank you guys for listening to episode 84 of the Footy Misfits. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for getting involved with us on socials at Footy Misfits. Again, at Culture with Julian for all of Julian's content. We will see you on episode 85. And that episode is right around the corner. So for Julian and Spence, I go by the name of Ronnie. We will see you then. Stay strong. Be brave. Take care. Adios, everyone.